You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. It's time for two things. It's time for an episode of the Tone Mob podcast, which you are obviously aware of. And it's also time for NAM. This is the last episode that will drop before the Winter NAM Expo in sunny Anaheim, California. And therefore, I need to let you all know about the Tone Mob Pizza Party. We are doing the pizza party again this year. This is the third annual one. And this time we're doing it at the convention center proper. So outside of the convention center, if you're familiar with it at all, there's a little turnaround thing in the back uh, where people can drop things off and things and people and whatever. And there's a nice big area over there where we can congregate and we'll be having the pizza dropped in that area and we'll have, you know, uh, all the goodies that you need for enjoying pizza. And it'll be at 1230 on Friday. So block that off, 12.30 on Fridays when we're eating, and at 1 o'clock, we're going to be giving away a bunch of swag, a bunch of gear from people like Boss, Gun Street Wiring Shop, oh yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop, The Nocturne Brain, Creation Music Company, and more. We got more, and there's more trickling in uh, as the days tick down, which is kind of surprising and awesome. So make sure you're there at 1 o'clock for that. 12.30 we're eating, 1 o'clock is the drawing, and... Yeah, there's going to be a lot of people there, sounds like. we got a lot of RSVP, and you can check out the event particulars on Facebook. If you go to the Tone Mob Facebook page, you can see the event announcement there. And there in the comments there, there is a map telling you where you need to go. And if you need any more information than that, feel free to email me at info at We'll get you all the particulars, we'll get you set up. And I really, really hope to see you there. Speaking of Gun Street Wiring Shop, Sean's going to be there. He's going to be there at the pizza party, and he'll be giving away some Gun Street goodies. So that'll be a lot of fun. In the meantime, if you're not going to NAM, which I definitely understand why somebody would not go to NAM, then you should check out GunStreetWiringShop.com. Handmade custom wiring harnesses from Bend, Oregon, with all the care you would expect. And they... uh they're really nice. Sean and team does a good, good, good work down there, and they can make you the harness of your dreams. You got crazy ideas you want to try, new sounds you want to explore, you know, uh, just just give your guitar a freshening up if you got some scratchy pots. They are the place to go. Go to GunStreetWiringShop.com and check them out. And I would be remiss if I did not mention Sinusoid. Sinusoid custom cables out of the state of Washington. Yes, they're the ones making smiles, they're the ones making fantastic cables, 100-year warranties, and I want to tell you about their Sasquatch speaker cable. This thing's a beast. It's huge. And, you know, it's just got to be better because it's big, right? Well, actually, when it comes to speaker cables that require a lot more current than, say, an instrument cable, bigger is better. And also, it just looks cool. It's very substantial. Feels like, man, I really got something in my hand here. And you do. You have a Sinusoid Sasquatch speaker cable. So make sure you check it out at Sinusoid.com where you can shop and know that you're supporting some of the best guys in the business and receiving the best warranty possible. So go to Sinusoid.com and check it out.
Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the ToneMob.com podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today, I have Alex Rosamilia of Gaslight Anthem and Dead Swords. Hello. What's happening, dude? Nothing much, man. Just chilling out, talking to you. <laughs> hanging out? Yeah. Hanging out, pretending we weren't just talking already, a which bit. is always, always a thing. Good times. Playing Good times. spontaneity. Uh... <laughs> It's just we just randomly walked into the same room on the internet. It was weird. Yeah, crazy. You know, couldn't have planned that. <laughs> so insane. <laughs> well, I, I'm glad to get you, finally get you on the show. I know we we met mm-hmm. briefly in, in Boston and hung out for a little bit and kind of talked about it there. Mm-hmm. Um, so and then Brian and Ian did the, the, the cast. Then you should have jumped in there, too. That would have Yeah, been- true enough. I, I had. I, uh in hindsight i i was like why didn't i do that but uh i, I tried i tried to coax I mean, you you never would have left with the three of us the two of them would have given you you know what i mean gave you enough of a conversation as it was i mean i was okay with it <laughs> one thing that people uh i don't know if brian knows or ian knows this because i've talked to him a little bit since then but we actually got to we went back to the parking garage ian walked us over there uh-huh. but then kind of he went back to the bus before we got all the way there and um, we were locked out of the parking garage. So oh, that was pretty cool. Crap. Yeah. How'd you guys end up getting out? <laughs> so I called like the number that was listed on there and, uh-huh. and all that jazz. And I was like, oh, man, I'm going to have to like get an Uber back to the um, Airbnb and then Uber here in the morning, morning. to get the yeah. car back and then go to the airport, which is, you know, at two or three in the morning, whatever it was, was not super high on my list of awesome. <laughs> True. No, doesn't sound it. <laughs> um, so I looked around and I thought, you know, and I noticed there was a hole in the wall um, that was like human sized. And I thought to myself, I bet this has been used for this before. And I was able to sneak through there. <laughs> and, and then I was able to open the garage door from the inside. inside. Yeah. And uh, I left. But just it felt a little kind B&E. of, it's a yeah. little B&E. Not, not too yeah. crazy. Yeah, no B. <laughs> just, just <laughs> somebody true. already beat it for me. Oh yeah, true enough. Oh, it would just be an E then. That doesn't even sound like entering. Doesn't sound like a crime. You're fine. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a crime, does it? <laughs> no, people do it all the time, every day. People enter all people kinds it. of things. <laughs> they just enter. <laughs> they're fine. Exactly. Well, one thing I'd I'd like to get into a little bit, and I th- mm-hmm. and mostly because I feel like your story is not as told as often as Brian's is. I feel like that's fairly accurate. But maybe you could give us a brief kind of backstory on how you, you know, when you started playing guitar, what, you know, what your kind of musical history is that True led enough. you to the where you are now. Um, well, let me think. Uh, I started playing guitar in like, it was like sixth or seventh grade. I'd already had piano lessons at that point. My mom was like a stickler for that, which I hated at the time, but thank you very much for that, mom. Um, so like seventh grade, it was like, you know, nobody wants a keyboard player in the band. This is the mid nineties. You know what I mean? I don't want to play guitar or bass or something. My friends decided to join a band. Uh, one kid already had a drum set, so he was obviously the drummer. Me and the other kid rochambeaued for bass and I lost. And that is how I ended up playing guitar instead of Whoa. bass. Actually, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of insane. Like your li- yeah. life, your life yeah. changed, dude. Basically, yeah. That's crazy. And then I got like, 
you know, I was already into things like Hendrix and it was a lot of like late sixties rock stuff like Zeppelin, Hendrix, uh, the doors, uh, that was back then. It wasn't really, I wasn't, I wasn't really listening to too much modern music. Actually, it was a lot of, one of my mom's friends had given me like a bunch of his old records. So like that was my music collection for like middle school and beginning of high school. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it was very awesome. But like I said, it wasn't it wasn't a lot of modern day stuff. But you know, I was a fan of like the big the big hitters. You know, like uh, Alice and Chain. Alice and Chain is probably the biggest one. Uh, Nirvana, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, all that stuff. Um, but it was mostly like the like my big three. I guess would have been Hendrix, Page, and Robbie Krieger. Like, that's what got me into, this is why I want to play guitar to be able to do these things. <clears throat> if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, and in high school, I uh, dated a goth chick who introduced me to The Cure. And that changed. <laughs> I knew that was coming somehow. That changed everything. Well, yeah, that basically changed everything. I was like, wait, guitar solos don't have to be all, like, wittily-wah. They can, like... Like, you know what I mean? Like, cause it's a way, it's way more of like an angular, some of it, you know, it's like a lot of just like delays and I don't know. It was way different than anything, you know, the closest thing I could have compared it to at that point was like something like Pink Floyd. Right. And this was like, it was heavier without it being distorted. I don't know. I latched onto it like immediately and have not let go. <laughs> um, and like, uh, I'm trying to think, and that was just yeah, like me doing high school band stuff, not like high school band, like marching band, like bands in high school, mm-hmm. playing guitar and that kind of thing. Never, never leaving a basement, not once, <laughs> but playing in a lot of basements. Um, yeah, uh, and then honestly, from there. I met a dude when I was working at Guitar Center, friend Kyle, who asked if I wanted to join his friend's band. And it was uh, Benny uh, Horowitz's uh, old band. So mm-hmm. I joined that. It disbanded, um, regrouped, and then disbanded again kind of quickly. And then uh, Brian and Alex needed a drummer and subsequently a guitar player. So we kind of went, we were... Uh, uh, it's a, like a, you know, uh, what's the word? You know, it's like a Groupon. You have to get the whole thing. You can't just <laughs> right. <laughs> um, Got to have the whole package. Yeah. When we set out, uh, that was like 2006. Hit the ground running. So like, I, I hadn't like had much of a touring experience prior to Gaslight, but I've definitely been playing a lot of guitar, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and, the- and a lot of it was like, because of the cure, I always wanted to try to find a way to combine the, the kind of classic rock lead stuff with the, uh, like delays and reverbs. Cause I always felt like when, sorry if I'm getting a bit rambly too, but, uh, this is a podcast. That's what it's for. Yeah, I guess you're right. And I've never, <laughs> this is my first one. I've never done one of these before. Oh, really? Long time. Oh, listener, first time calling. Uh, but like, I really like a lot of the '90s 
like virtuoso guitars that like things that were using a lot of like effects as well as being pretty like you know like shreddy i guess for lack of a better way to put it yeah i, I didn't you. like the way any of it sounded like not saying that it like it wasn't crazy talented stuff but it was like it was also like polishy sounded and i always i don't know i felt like there was a better way to combine the two worlds if that makes any sense so I, a lot of my time in gaslight was trying to do that right kind of uh <laughs> almost like sense. like punkify the shreddy stuff a little bit uh yeah yeah kind of and not just like in the play style though but like kind of like how it sounded you know like uh right like i don't know i, I I'm, I'm very anti-wah because i oh. don't think I don't you and me it, both, brother. Okay, cool. I don't know. That's an iffy side. Like it's like you're one side of the fence or the other, you know. So yeah, um, very few people are lukewarm on the wah. Wahs, wahs are cool. It's like an envelope filter, like a slow, you know what I mean, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. But like yes. when you're like accenting, and I and, and and River Runs Red by Life of Agony is like top ten albums of all time for me. Uh, but so much wah. It's just like, I don't know. It's kind of like making up for lack of creativity within the. Man, I sound so pretentious right now, don't I? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I mean, <sighs> to me, like, for, for law for me is I'm not very good at using it. Right. You know, in a way that's appealing to me. Like, I think Hendrix obviously was great at it. And yeah. Tom Morello is great at it. But I'm not. And yeah. some uh, and a lot of people aren't. Yeah. In yeah, my opinion. But, yeah. Well, that's true. I mean, you can say that about anything, right? Well, that's true. People are yeah. just a lot, not, not good at a lot of things. But <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, music's a subjective thing. It's not objective. So, like, you could still make it sound good, even if you're not good at it. It's this the sound true. that I'm not a fan of. That makes any sense. It does. Yeah, it I does. feel like I am just, yeah. <laughs> feel free to edit this however you see fit to make it. Oh, we don't. We we avoid editing as <laughs> oh, much as possible. Yeah, right. we just let it go go well, raw. Sorry, guys, listening. This is gonna this is gonna go off the rails pretty fast. I feel <laughs> they're used to it. That's what they that's what they like. True. That's why they're here. What were we even talking about? I mean, outside of, of that, I don't like wah. I know that's where it oh, ended up. Well, you were going, you were kind of headed down, uh, seemed like you were headed down a path of describing how you approach oh, guitar playing with yeah. Gaslight. Right. True enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like kind of a way to like get kind of like more of that lo-fi kind of sound, which I was always a fan of, and then mix it with the other stuff, if that makes any sense. You know? Mm-hmm. Things like, well, because you know, the, the things in my head that I'm thinking as examples of this stuff is like things like Satriani and Vi, Eric Johnson, those those types of guys. It's like it's so polished that it right. kind of I feel loses something. I guess that's the point I was trying to make this entire time. <laughs> I get it. No, I understand exactly what you mean. It's It's sort of the same thing. It's very guitar player specific, but it's sort of the same thing with... Uh, a track like you know like a super polished pop track or right. versus a nirvana track mm-hmm. or something like yeah. there, there's some like it's not technically like the nirvana track isn't technically as quote unquote correct 
but it sounds better to right. guys but like I, us. See, even um, beyond the playing, it's like the production and like the amps they use and like that, that is, I think, adds to that too. You know, Steve Albini producing a pop record is not going to sound very pop. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> it's no, going to be I know exactly super loud. That kind of a thing. I think that has a lot to So, like, I was, like, that was, like, always a big part of my, I guess. Like, I was trying to find a sound as opposed to using pedals for parts. Like, when I found mm-hmm. a pedal I liked, it was on the whole time. You know, and I'm still kind of that way. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I have a reverb and a delay on unless I need it to be, like, short and staccato. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know. I'm sorry, I'm kind of losing track where I'm going with that again. Uh, oh yeah. So like <laughs> the idea of like I don't know, trying to find like a sound, like a sound, as opposed to like this would be good for this part. Would that make sense? right an overarching sound? Yeah. The whole the whole, that yeah. you that is your sound specifically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's interesting because like I mean I. I mean, I've been a fan of the band for a long time, as you know. Thank you. And so it, it's, it, it you know, kind of followed it fairly closely for, mo- for most of its... Honestly, I was introduced to you guys around... Uh, the, I don't remember what year it was, but it was a long time ago. And it was the <laughs> tour with, um, with... It was like one of my favorite lineups I've ever seen. It was you guys... Thrice Alkaline Trio, uh, Trio Rise Against. That would be the fall of 2008. Yeah. Eight? It would have been like Eight? October, November 2008. Yes, sir. Wow. I didn't, I would have thought it was longer ago than that. That's, uh, that's kind of crazy. But, uh-uh. huh. Yeah, that's when we first really started playing. Cause I remember it was on that tour one night we decided to not play the 59 sound and it didn't go over well. The crowd. It was like we were first starting to get people coming to, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, people started showing up for things like to see us as opposed to like just to be there, kind of a thing. Plus, we were getting a lot of people basically from the idea of opening up for all of those awesome bands. That was an awesome tour. I wish that tour could have gone on for like an extra three months. <laughs> that tour was that tour was awesome. Was I still have time. a poster somewhere around here. Nice. In, I don't know what mine is. Uh, I stole it. I stole it from the venue. I'm gonna be there again. We're co- I'm confessing all my crimes on this podcast. Yeah, sure enough. You're oh, fine. You'll be fine. But um, yeah. Um, uh, what was I gonna wait? What was your question? <laughs> I did. I didn't quite finish it. But uh, where uh, I was going with it is oh, is man, I'm no good at this. No well, good me at podcasting. Either, I'm not either. It's okay. <laughs> is anybody really good at it? I don't know. Um, that was a rhetorical question. Of course, they are. But where I was going with it is your sound is is always been very and in a, in a good way because it it it's very different than what Brian's doing, mm-hmm. and and it sort of because his you know obviously the songs he writes and the way he approaches things is very like he's got some very classic influences in his songwriting mm-hmm. and 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 seemingly I'm mean, this is all outside looking in a little less of the kind of punk rock approach. And I feel like you and Benny sort of brought that to the table and it filled out the sound. Is is that accurate or how did that, how do you think about constructing that kind of stuff in he, the songs? He, Brian was, 
Mine was pretty punk rock in the beginning too. You know, like it was all it was. And I, I I looked at it more like I was trying to not step on anybody's toes. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like we would just we were, used to write these songs. It would just be in uh, Alex's parents' basement. And, you know, Brian would play it once or twice, just him and a guitar. At that point, you know, Alex already had the bass line too. So then me and Ben would listen to it once or twice and then just kind of figure out something on top, you know, like jam jam on it. So without sounding as stereotypical as humanly possible. You know, we just kinda of jam on a bit till something sounded right. And I was always like making sure it was like if I was playing over his singing, it was like harmonizing with it or like you know what I mean? Not like stepping on it, being bit Yeah. You know, only being busy mm-hmm. where there was space to be busy in basically sliding in in service of the song more so than to Uh show off how i can shred basically kind of your rig is a lot different than his too yeah uh, how can you talk about like how that what where did you start and where have you ended up with that stuff um so like i i've got i don't know how to say it uh gaslight's like the quietest band i've ever been in still mm-hmm. yet to be in you know um like and at first we were both brian and i both were using like half stack like you know heads and four twelve cabs and um after like a couple tours with that we're like is this is this really necessary for us so <laughs> we, we went down to the combo vibe um originally had like a i think it was like a hot rod deluxe um yeah that was yeah that was the combo i got and then somehow my friend kyle the actually the same friend that introduced me to benny convinced me that i should use two amps so that i can run my delays and things in stereo and of course of course duh (laughs) yeah i mean duh (laughs) um then I got a twin from the second one. And Brian was, I think, on the AC30 kick at that point and then wanted to sell his AC30 sometime later on. And I bought his AC30 off him. And I've used that AC30 up until that last go-around over the summer where I got amp happy. <laughs> you did get amp happy. We were supposed yeah. to talk about that. I'm remembering this now. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, and I used that box and like another amp for basically all of uh, Gaslight's career. Yeah, so like like 10 years I used that amp. Got the same thing over in Europe too, so that it was as close to sounding like the same as possible. Wow, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And your your pedals just, I'm sure it's just a constant rotation in in some ways. Yeah, it's always kind of instant, like this is in, now that's out. You know, um, I try to keep... (laughs) I, no, I don't. I try to keep it as I almost never try to keep it as simple as possible. That's absolutely preposterous. Because I, I was been gonna, running. I like was going to call you out on that too. <laughs> that is preposterous. <laughs> yeah, because I was running like a DI board for the last go around, so that I could use like a Electro Harmonics the the Mel Nine pedal they have, and mm-hmm. they sound like a Mellotron. I could use that, yep. and my guitar signal would be coming through my amps as my regular guitar signal, but then it would be going through the PA as a 
and it would sound like a Mellotron. It would sound more like a Mellotron than it coming through the amps because it wouldn't be blended with the thing. It'd be it's two separate champs. Sound guys hate me. Um, <laughs> and then I had a Keynine, so you do the same thing for like a Rhodes, and that's how I was able to do underneath the ground um, without having to use a actual keyboard. And then uh, I like the sad sample pedal so that I could use like the the needle drop bit from the beginning great expectations uh oh that's how you did it okay. yeah yeah and that was all none of that was uh going to my amps it was going straight out stereo di it was like those pedals volume pedal at the front end that was down or like in the off position most of the time so that there wasn't signal going through unless i was using any of those pedals oh okay, then if i gotcha. was using one of the pedals i would step up on the volume pedal use that so that was coming out of my amps and the PA or in the case of underneath the ground where I didn't want to use the guitar too, I turned the amps off and just used the direct. Um, so yeah, that's not simple at all. Um, <laughs> it's, it's fairly, uh, it's fairly complex, but it's not the craziest thing I've yeah, ever seen. But then my, like my main effect board for my guitars is kind of been the same for a bit now. Um, it's a boss super overdrive. Cause I think that's the best boost pedal ever yeah uh yeah i just like the sound of it i I own like four or five of them just in case one of them goes i can like replace it on the fly um i use it like as a lead boost you know like to push it over the top like for like any type of like uh, interlude thing or like solo type of a thing or if you just want to be louder than you already are which right. is the case a lot with dead swords <laughs> um but uh then i have a a fuzz Rocious as like my main sound is that if that makes any sense like it's on oh, all yeah. of the time it's the mm -hmm. they did like a collab with uh bong ripper uh oh yeah it's like it looks like a goat and the the eyes light up and it, it's it sounds so i think it's i could be wrong but i think it's the the demon uh the demon and the cattail and they're like both on at the same time and you can adjust the volume like a, for both and the gain for both and there's a mix knob in the middle so so if that you want, was gonna be okay if you want I one gotcha. of them off you'd have to just turn the mix to one side or the other i leave it straight up the middle and dead swords it's all basically dimed um and then i use my volume pedal to clean it up and make it dirtier nice um and the boss rv3 japanese mm -hmm. reverb um and uh avalanche run that uh my wife got me for christmas last year that has, it's been my favorite pedal new pedal for since then actually <laughs> the avalanche um, runs great yeah it's such a good that's like it's kind of like the cure in a box Oh, speaking of the cure in the box, I also I use a Dimension C for like a chorus. That is um, definitely cure in a box. Yeah, yeah, I've had one of those on a pedal board of mine since I don't know, like two thousand two, two thousand. Since I found out that there was basically an eighties boss, I was a huge boss nerd, and I was like, there was a while, there was a time where I was like collecting them, you know, like the mm -hmm. old Japanese ones, which is oh yeah. Like I, I owned a slow gear at one point, which like just Ooh. use just use the volume knob. 
<laughs> yeah, but it's cool. Yeah, it's cool, and it's black. Black boss pedals are awesome, which is why I got the Wazacraft tuner, even though I didn't need a new tuner. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, so like the the Dimension C is the one that kind of made me fall down the rabbit hole for that stuff. Like, wait a sec, there's a pedal they only made for like a little bit of time, and it's also the pedal they happened to use for those records, and it's just like I need to own that thing. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I just had a a moment. Like you, you mentioned black boss pedals are mm-hmm. awesome, and well, that sounds kind of funny. Uh, I bought a one of those black Guitar Center DS ones while I was oh. there randomly one day, just because, <laughs> simply because it was black. Right. I was like, I was like, I want that. Murdered out. It's cool. black. It's a DS one, <laughs> but yeah. I don't care. It's mm-hmm. black. Yeah, and it's awesome. Actually, I'm trying to think. I think it was Jeff Beck used to spray paint his over his OD one black so that other people wouldn't know what pedal it was that seems like it used to be a lot more common mm-hmm. back in the day like, was i don't want was... you knowing my secrets yeah like, i gotta secrets. hide my pedals don't yeah. don't be looking at my rig like i've heard people <laughs> yeah. like like oh yeah he won't give a rig rundown or whatever uh, it's like that. in this day and age come on we can figure it screw out that. yeah man i used to what was that website i mean i'm sure it's still a website but like when I was in high school, Guitar Geek, where they would show you like all the, they would like kind of like give a diagram of like the whole rig of guitar players. And they had like everybody. I would yeah, spend hours doing that on the internet. Like, how do you, oh, that's how they did that. Okay. That's where I learned all the, how to do all the effects loops and that kind of, just by reading these like schematics basically for guitar players. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is kind of what they are. Yeah. Um, no, that's, that's interesting because, like, I I I got really into the gear side of things because, like, my dad was a guitar player, but not definitely not a gear junkie. Like, he he played acoustic mainly, and you know is a better player than me for that. But um, he doesn't. I, you know, I was listening to all these rock bands, and I'd I'd be like, how do they get the guitar to sound like that? And he didn't know, right? And because it wasn't his thing, and. uh so I, I, I was, and there was no internet back then. So I was like, how do I figure this out? Uh, and, and it, you know, I think because I was so insistent on trying to figure it out, it's led to this somewhat unhealthy obsession with true enough. All this I stuff. had like my first job was guitar center. So like still in high school, it was just bad because it was just, you were just there every day looking at it all and being like, what? What do I, what's that one do? You know what I mean? Just days mm-hmm. where there'd be nobody in the store. You just be able to sit down and mess with all kinds. You could try anything out before you could. And you know, people come in with you stuff. And you'd buy it before anybody even put it out on the, on the counter. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like sometimes guys would come in with things. Like you'd, you'd see the employees like start to gather around being like, trying to like see who can be the first one to swipe it. I've, you're not the first ex Guitar Center employee I've heard tell that story. Dude, I bet you we're not even from the same guitar. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think that was right. probably a nationwide thing. Oh man, what's the craziest? Uh, what's the craziest thing you've seen while working at Guitar Center? I feel like there's got to be some some really weird or really dumb uh, or well, really interesting things that happen. Um, uh, Steve Ray Vaughan's number two. Would George Harrison's 335 and uh, 
is it brownie? It's either blackies. Eric Clapton's black one was the brown one. Brownie. I don't know. From like, I know Blackie, obviously, from but like, I don't know uh, that one. Uh, Derek and the Dominoes. He had like mm-hmm. a brown one. He put together from parts or something. Um, or is that Blackie? Am I, is that what I'm thinking of? Blackie. Did he put I that together? Blackie was like on four dis- different guitars. Is that the case? I don't know the history. I'm honestly oh, not. Right. I should be a little more up on it. One of my my best friend's dads is a big Clapton nerd. Right. I should know this better, but he's probably going to listen. So is Ian Perkins. Yeah. We both got people disappointed at us. Um, oh, Ian's going to be so disappointed. <laughs> in both I of think. Us. Okay. So legend has it. It's, I can't remember which one it was, but he had bought like, he went to like a store, bought like three or four of the same like year model strap. Then okay. put the best neck on the best body, put the best pickups in, and then basically made a two and a three. Gave one to George Harrison and one to somebody else. Oh. That's either Blackie or Brownie. I don't know. But the brown one from Derek and the Dominoes, I got to see all three of them when I was at Guitar Center in Manhattan. I actually got to touch Stevie Ray Vaughan's number two, which sounds weird when you say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wasn't I even thinking that until you said it. You but twisted it did. my mind now. And it was awesome. Um, because they had, I guess there was some kind of auction, and I was working at the Manhattan store, and that's where they decided to keep them. They, like, bought, like, a gun safe to put them in. Mm-hmm. And, like, since I was working in the warehouse, I had to, like, deliver them to the gun safe. So I got to, like, put them in the gun safe. So, like, I touched all three of those guitars for, like, a half second. That was pretty that's awesome. That's so insane. <laughs> that is insane. Um, other than that. Yeah, no, just normal screwing around at work stores. Nothing too crazy. Right. Nobody ever That's came in crazy. with like a, outside of that one time, nobody ever came in with anything nutto, you know. And there was like this 80s, I mean, I don't know how cool this is to everybody else, but there was like a really cool 80s Hamer Explorer that came in once. That was pretty sweet. I'm a fan of all that kind of 80s stuff. I would own a Charvel if I could really... Just have the balls to play one live. <laughs> it's coming from a guy well, who's played can... a. I've played a bitch live. <laughs> For real, the yeah. PC Rich you played yeah. with Gaslight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the uh, we the like the first tour for Get Hurt. I had <laughs> I want I really wanted the like the old uh, the NJ series like the the wood colored one, mm-hmm. and I wanted the. Do you know which one the bitch is? It looks like a shark oh, yeah. at the bottom of it. Um, but i wanted like the wood (laughs) one and oddly enough uh the same friend kyle um knew a guy uh like a session guy from the 80s he's been in a i can't remember a new band he played with but uh kind of like gun for hire dude named jack Frost. uh it was like 80s metal kind of guitar dude super Mm -hmm. crazy guitar player um he was having to be selling a like chameleon colored, like a changed color in the light, uh, bitch. And I was like, you know what? Okay. So I bought it. <laughs> I bought it off him, and he was like, "Listen, the only deal is if you ever sell it, you have to sell it back to me. No, no problem." So I had it for like a year or two, and I was like, you know what? <laughs> I played it for like like a couple shows, and it was just like. It does look pretty ridiculous, doesn't it? 
So I was like, I called him back up and I sold it back to him. Oh but man. I did have it for a little bit. I've, I'm trying to, I'm so silly, but I'm trying to like stay away from buying things, just buy things these days. Oh my God. That was the most pretentious thing I think I've ever said in my life. Jesus. Sorry. <laughs> what well, I, mean I mean is like, I used to be into like, oh, that's a cool looking guitar. Um, like, you know, like the weird kind of like, like the airline. Or is that what they're called? Like yeah. the weird looking yeah, things like a, or like an old K reward thing. or like yeah. the harmonies and stuff. And I was like, I, I don't have room for all this stuff. So it's like, I've, I've, I've decided it, it can be a Jaguar or it can be a Les Paul Custom. Otherwise, Les Paul Custom with a Kaler, right? Well, that's, that's my, that's my new, yeah, that's the new one. But I have, I have a couple. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. So I've, Jaguars and Les Paul Customs yeah, only. Yeah. Well, no, I have more than that, and I sound like such an ass. No, you don't. Why do you think that? I just the way because I'm you talking remember, about it so I, nonchalantly. I remember when like I had I got my first like Les Paul Custom, and it was like I had to like save money and move money around and like borrow money from my mom to buy the guitar, and then mm-hmm. I didn't have any money, and I just had this guitar. And it was awesome. And I'm like, I, gotta get to I don't know. I, I'm just like, I'm being a bit self-deprecating. We all, uh, we all start there though. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I remember what it was like when I was a teenager, like, you know, mowing lawns and all that stuff. Just like to save up, to get this piece of gear for that piece of gear, whatever yep. the case may be. And it's like, it just tends to, you know, not for everybody, but especially people who get, obsessive and make it make music their career in one way or another if it works out hey, everyone kind of has the same story it's like you end up with the lots of tools of the trade so yeah to speak. and without paying attention to it because we were on the road so much i would just it would just go to my closet and then i realized my closet was full of guitars i don't use and then i kind of felt bad that nobody was using it so i felt like they'd be better off you know in homes where they will be used. Right. You know, cause I used, like I said, I had, I'd have things just to kind of have them like, Oh, that was a cool color. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not talking like crazy things, but like, you know, I don't know, like, uh, SGs mainly. <laughs> now that I think about it. You just collected SGs for yeah, a while. I did. I bought, I, I, I realized I had like three of them and I never played any of them. So, you just like them in in theory, but when you'd actually play them, they just didn't do it for you. Is that? I mean, I used to. I it used to be my main guitar, and basically up until fifty nine. So we did the fifty nine sound. Alex broke, like tripped over my cable and broke the the headstock. Broke like the day before we were going. It was literally the last time we were playing these songs before we went to the studio. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, luckily. Uh, a uh, Fender was cool, and they lent me a Jazzmaster. Um, and thankfully, we were tracking, so like you know, we did drums first. So like the guitar was able to get to me before I had to play the guitar. <laughs> but like I like pulled it out of the box and started recording with it. You know, like I didn't give it a proper setup first, really, which in hindsight was probably a stupid idea. But uh, <laughs> such is life. Yeah, and then I ended up buying it off you know buying it from fender and that was, i use that for a bit and then i started using the less balls 
and I would be like, oh, I'm going to try this now. And I would like do it a tour and then be like, hmm, Les Paul. Like, oh, I'm going to try this now. Hmm, Les Paul. Oh, how about Hollow Body? Hmm, Les Paul. <laughs> it always comes back to the Les Paul. Yeah. Kind of. I'm a Les Paul guy myself. I like, I've, I've always played them. I, I too have a white custom. What year is yours? Mine is 81. <sighs> Mine is 82. Hey, look at that. Mm-hmm. So you got the Shawbuckers too. Mm, I didn't know. Mine, they're not. I don't think so. They're not? No. I think unless you change them, they should be. Really? I think it's uh-huh. like February 82. I'm pretty sure that they were the, in the customs. They were, I'm not, I'm not 100% on this, right, so don't right. quote me, but, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure in the, in the, specifically in the Les Paul customs uh-huh. from 80 to 84. Three or four. That would make that would explain why all those guitars sound good. I have I, a couple. I kind of think there. so. <laughs> I haven't. Yeah, because I have. I have that guy, which I put actually put Black Drive in, which mm-hmm. I've put those in a lot of guitars. They're pretty amazing. He he's he. I don't know how he does it, but he gets just the guitars sound huge. Even like clean, it's like it's this massive. I don't know. I love it's this guy, like tattoo guy that makes pickups in Columbus, <laughs> Ohio. But I'm serious. It's like I, um, it's like the best pickups I have ever heard in my life. <laughs> um, it seems like I, I've seen his. I've never played him, but I've seen uh, his work before. It seems like a lot of heavy musicians. It is like yeah, yeah, yeah. I would probably say I'm the least heavy guy that plays this stuff. <laughs> but um, it's still. I, that's what I'm saying. Like I think even for that, like I. He makes single coils that I, I put in a strat that I have. I know I just mm-hmm. went on that whole rant about I only have less balls and jaguars, but I still have I have a strat and a base six too. Um you gotta cover all the bases, you know. Of uh, course. <laughs> but um and then I have a he makes this uh one he calls a ghost coil. It's a single okay. coil to fit in a humbucker. So it's basically a, it's a humbucker, but he wraps one coil in just like a colored string. So it's like just dead. It doesn't work. You know what I mean? But it so fits in the humbucker. But it fits out. in the humbucker route. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I put that in. <laughs> I, before a tour, routed a Jaguar, uh, like a a cheapo Jaguar that I had with a screwdriver and my Leatherman. And I was like using it oh. as a chisel. <laughs> routed out a humbucker shape in a Jaguar so that I could put in the ghost coil that's very gnarly it's completely just, just like and, counterproductive but the guitar sounds awesome now well then it's not <laughs> counterproductive it was exactly like what it was supposed super to. wide and like fat sounding i don't know how he does it pickup so, guys are magic to yeah. me like i got some guys that i like and um and and it's just like I'm like man I don't it's like magnets and wire but somehow you find those recipes yeah it I just works so well it can like my simpleton brain and just it should all sound the same then I don't understand how it's <laughs> like how is it totally different I don't get it yeah but, uh, I don't understand I guess that's bad conversation for a podcast like that or like this <laughs> no it's exactly the kind of conversation we have on this, oh, yeah, this podcast. Yeah, no. I feel like so I should be more informative on those, those things. I, you know, I've been talking 
about gear on the internet for several years at this point, and I don't think I've really ever been that very informative. So <laughs> True don't enough. feel bad. True enough. But I did have a, just a couple questions uh-huh. uh, from the Facebook group. Um, and this is, this is going to be interesting. I, I feel like you kind of already have the answer to this, but okay. we'll find out. Some uh, Rick Calhoun asks if he could have a custom signature pedal built, what would it be? Myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was actually talking um, with a dude from Buzz Rocious. Uh, Ryan. Yeah. Boy. He came out to the Philly show. We hung out for a bit afterwards. Um, I wanted to do like cattail with a like beat backy sustaining addy momentary switch on it mm-hmm. to kind of like be able to like super control feedback you know what i mean right if that makes any sense like it totally does yeah i think that would be pretty sick he um, he's the man for the job yeah for sure if not that then um i mean i don't know it's not like I've always been kind of like of the inclination to just like that sounds cool and just use it. You know what I mean? I've I've never like looked for specific ones because you know what I mean. If that makes any sense, like I, no, yeah, I you was find, never like I need that pedal something. because it's the germanium over the whatever the I don't know the difference between the the fuzzy things, so, but I know the sounds oh, I like, and I you know you know what I mean. Uh huh. So it's, I've always had, I did it. I've always done it more that way. Just so not, not like, really I thinking wouldn't be about able to tell you, I wouldn't be able to tell you what it was made out of. I'd be able to tell you what I wanted to sound like. <laughs> okay. I gotcha. So not really, mm. you don't really think about it at the, the weird molecular level that I tend to get to. No. You just go, that sounds good. I'm going to use that. Yeah, kind of. And, and not even that sounds good. That sounds interesting. You know, like I really like the rainbow machine. I think that mm-hmm. pedal is a lot of fun. I actually just got, um, and I'm stoked to use uh, the uh, Board Brain Transmutron. Oh, yeah. Which is like yes. a crossover, like, uh, I'm not even sure half the stuff it does. But it comes with, like, you know, like the detached cables and stuff for it. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty stoked to mess with that. I, I always like making guitars. I lo- I've always liked making guitars not sound like guitars. Does that makes yeah. sense. No, I can relate. Yeah. I like to do both. Yeah, I like yeah. to make them sound like guitars and not guitars too. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of that's what I was getting at before. I was like, I've always been trying to find a way to link those two worlds together somehow. I feel like with the the combination of your your you know stereo rig matched with uh the direct board, I feel like you've accomplished that mission. Yeah, I think we're close. <laughs> close yeah i think we always I've think already yeah I've, I've even changed my amp setup since those summer shows <laughs> okay before we get too far off uh uh into that yeah. i want to i because i want to ask about the we we're supposed to talk about amp journey but uh-huh. i have one more question from the group and it's uh it's one of my best friends uh mr justin porter True. um who I also know is a is a big fan. So, uh-huh. um, and I don't know why he's asking this question because he should know better than to ask this question. Unless he's trying uh, to pose it so that now other people can know the answer to this question. 
Well, it's it's a question that's impossible <laughs> to answer. Oh. Um, and that, and he even says as much. Kinds of question. Yeah. What it, Jess, you're going to get in trouble next time I see you. What is your favorite piece of gear? Um, my 81 Silver Burst. Oh, that was easier than I thought. Yeah. Bridget Nielsen. Very cool. It's, there's something, that one I definitely think has uh, the Shaw Buckers in it. Almost positive that one does. I'm pretty sure, um, I'm pretty sure you're right about that. When I was doing the research, and this sounds right. It's a it's a second. I don't know why, other than it might have been just like too heavy. It's ungodly heavy. Um, it sounds amazing. And whoever had it in the '80s spray painted the name of their band on the back, like it stenciled the name of the band on the back of it, so it says Tombstone Bullets. I can't find oh. anything. <laughs> I can't find anything on the internet about it. Like. There's, I can't find anything. I don't know who the Tombstone Bullets are. I would love to meet this guy because I want to know who in the hell in the right mind would stencil the name of their band on the back of the Les Paul Custom. And then, and then I'm also weird. And then also like, wrote <laughs> Crew Drop D, which I think was his way of reminding himself that their Motley Crew cover was in Drop D. <laughs> that is so crazy. Yeah. Crew drop D, yeah, and like, it's like super green, and there's like chunks missing out of it. It, it looks horrible. That's kind of why I love it. <laughs> no, I can relate to that because I got, I like, I kind of like, um, like I mean, obviously there's something to be said about like a pristine guitar, mm-hmm. but I kind of like guitars that have a story. Like you don't know who the Tombstone Bullets are, but yeah. but I, can I don't imagine. know. It's kind of cool. <laughs> I mean, I've got a big muff, uh, a Russian big muff, like a one of the big box black ones. Mm-hmm. It was like when they were transitioning from green to black, but they were still in the big case. Mm-hmm. Um, I think circuit wise are the same, but I remember that. And on the back, on the back, it says somebody engraved on it or scratched into it. Don't tr- don't touch Mr. Frost's muff. <laughs> and I don't know. Wait, Mr. Frost? I just told you about Mr. Frost, a dude. I knew from the. From the eighties, the name Jack Frost. I wondered that as soon as you said that. I'm like, I like wonder if I got Mr. Frost off. It's so like he's he has so much gear and he's like constantly like flipping stuff and selling stuff and buying things and selling things. Yeah, the guy I bought the uh the bitch off. Mm-hmm. That would be pretty interesting. Well, somehow his big muff may have made it to Portland, Oregon. That's pretty it's funny. A, story. It sounds great. I wasn't going to buy it. I had a bunch of fuzz pedals that I was trying out that day. Uh-huh. And I was like, I, I got big muffs, you know what? I don't need another big muff, but I grabbed it for no reason and plugged it in. I was like, this one sounds awesome. And nice. so I bought it. That's awesome. And then you found out, see, I, I thought it was going to be like, you didn't know. And then you saw the Mr. Frost thing. You're like, you know what? I am going to get this one. Cause I'm, I, that <laughs> was, that That's did kind of make it, it even better. With silver verse. I don't even think I plugged it in. I think I bought it, like I, I played it, not plugged in to see if the neck was straight and stuff. And then I was like, yeah. And then it just sounded like God as well. <laughs> I lucked out there. Did you did you know when you'd strummed it open? Because with my custom, I'd been looking for one for a long time, mm-hmm. specifically a white one. and And I could never find one I liked. And I just 
picked it up. I was like, ooh, this one looks really cool. And I strummed it and I was like, uh oh, I think this is I think this one's going to sound really, really good plugged in. And so I I couldn't I wasn't really in the market. And so I didn't plug it in. I went home and I've told this story a million times, but I went home and then over the next few days, my wife finally was like, would you stop talking about it and just go get the guitar? (laughs) So I was like, "Okay," And I went and got it and plugged it in. But did did your cust did your silver burst when you strummed it? Was it like, hmm, this might have something here, or is it just yes? It says Tombstone Bullet on the back. I can't remember purchasing a lot of guitars, but like I can remember the whole thing vividly. You know, like where I was. It was like this weird. uh, It wasn't weird, but it was like a convention kind of a thing inside Brooklyn Bowl. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's like a venue slash bowling alley. Oh, sweet. Oddly enough, in Brooklyn. and so they basically rented out the whole place and there was just like boutique vendors. My friend Kyle Rogendorf, who's been a big star of this uh, podcast. Um, Hi, Kyle. Owns a, he's a luthier. Like he repairs guitars for a living and stuff. Um, and uh, so he had a booth there with his partner and that kind of thing. So I was just, I went to hang out and look at all the cool stuff. I would, wasn't intending on buying anything. And then... I walked past uh, the Rivington Guitars booth, and it was just mm-hmm. it was just there. And I was like, oh, man. And I was like, no, I can't do this right now. And I just kept walking, and then I walked past it again. I was like, oh. So then I picked it up, and, like, I, like, kind of riffed on it for a, a little bit, you know, not plugged into anything. And the guy starts telling me, like, he got it from la and then i'm like oh my god this must be you know like it's an early 80s silver burst from like la it's definitely mm-hmm. to someone like me who's like okay so <laughs> this might put me in a corner or something but uh i realized recently that the part of the guitar sound i've always been looking for is the transformer soundtrack from like 1986 or 1984 or something like that all Do right. you remember the That's animated worthy... oh, oh yeah. Movie? Okay, I remember. so the soundtrack is like available to stream. Those songs are, it's like, okay, do you remember Boogie Nights? Mm-hmm. Do you know yes. remember the song that John C. Riley and Mark Wahlberg sing? Like when they record Not the song? Not really. Oh. No, I it's don't. It's a song from that soundtrack. Like it's an actual song from that soundtrack. Dead Swords has been <laughs> okay. working on, well, like the dude, Dead Swords and I have been working on trying to like, cover that whole record <laughs> it's awesome but it's like the the like quintessential like 80s like process uh like ch- chug chug like guitar sound you know oh yeah and I so know exactly what so talking. i'm just picturing like some like dude playing this in like the whiskey like in the early 80s like playing his crappy like metal songs with it and the tombstone bullets no it's just like i need guitar <laughs> <laughs> so i brought it over to kyle he checked the deck made sure it was everything was kosher on it at least like you know like physically i didn't had no idea about the electronics and then i was like okay take my money that's so awesome and then it's does this one does that one have a kaler on it <clears throat> Ooh, excuse me i'm terribly sorry about that um oh, i'm over it uh no that one does not have a kaler on it only okay. i only have one with a kaler it's the last the newest one i've got like an 86, I think. 
Yeah, that was like stock Kaler. I've wanted one of those for a while. Okay, because like here's a here's a better example of the guitar sound. Stephen Clark from Death Leopard. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a better way to do that than the Transformers soundtrack. Um, oh, we can we can find it. We can find the Transformers soundtrack. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be listening to that after this, dude. It's epic. Um, but yeah, and he had the. He had the Kaler on his. So I was like, for like a year, I tried to find one. And then a friend of mine uh, hit me up. He was like, yo, is this like what you're talking about? And like, it, it had gone on reverb like 15 minutes before that. And I was like, yes. Boom. So like, I just, I kind of, because I realized it's like not many people, I think, still have them because I think they were like so not cool. And you know what I mean? Like, they kind of went the way by the wayside. They didn't stand. Oh yeah, there's lots of them in closets oh. everywhere around America. I'm sure. But I love it, man. Just doing dive bombs and stuff, and then it's like you're all wow. Yeah, like I said, constantly trying to meld the, that and then the cure, and it doesn't really work. But I've been it'll. I made it my life mission to try to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind it's kind of worked, right? I mean, like, I think so. That's what you, like that's said, what you we're do. Getting close. We're getting close. <laughs> that's so awesome. So fun. It's it's all just fun, though, isn't it? Well, yeah. It's a good time. Yeah, I've been lucky enough to be able to spend the majority of my time trying to do this kind of stuff. You know. <laughs> Let's talk about dead swords a little bit. Okay, we've been gaslighting the whole time. Uh, sure. which sounds bad. I shouldn't put it that way. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> we did not know that that was a term when we uh, named the band. I should say that. I didn't. I mean, I didn't. Well, here. Well, let's go back. I suppose I should ask Brian this. What? Where did that come from? You just come up with that? Um, was it? It is. It was a venue, like a small, like coffee shop bar venue thing in New York, in the village, like in the fifties and sixties. Like Bob Dylan played there a lot. So Brian's okay. idea was it was the I, I say it like that because this happened prior to me being in the band. Um, so it was like the idea was like it was trying to be the same thing as like the same idea as like basically like Bob Dylan, like Woody Guthrie, that kind of vibe. That gotcha, that make gotcha. It does, yes, yeah. it does. Like in the way of but, the gaslight. We didn't realize yes. gaslighting was a thing. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it was used in that, in that. Exactly. I'm sure it was, but oh, sorry. No, Go ahead. Um, if you watch, I don't know if you're familiar with the marvelous Miss Maisel on um, Amazon Prime, I think. But it's like I her, seen the trailer. Okay, it's like her. It's where she does most of her stand up. Is at the Gaslight. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's fun little strange. Bit of I literally. For you. I just saw that trailer like yesterday. That's <laughs> kind of weird. Otherwise, I'd have no idea what you're talking about. True enough. But we should we should talk about Dead Swords a little bit because sure. I I don't know that much about it beyond I listened to the album after you sent it to me. Right. But like, what's the story? What are you uh, What are you going for um, with this thing? I guess it's my thesis statement. <laughs> me okay. trying to combine those two worlds, you know. Um. You know we. Gaslight's decided to not be as uh, constant as we were at one point, you know, to pursue other things. And mm-hmm. um, so I, I use this as an opportunity to take the songs I've been writing 
you know, and do something with them. So like all this stuff originally was just me and an acoustic, like that's how it was like, and I recorded on my phone and I, I decided to try to, well, what would this sound like if I made it sound like heavy, you know, like really big guitars, that kind of a thing. So I started mm-hmm. messing with that kind of stuff in Logic and decided this was worth kind of doing. So I, I, I asked a friend of mine, uh, Corey, um, to like kind of help me out with this. Cause he's like, he's, I find him to be a very kind of similar guitar player to me. Like we, we have, we play kind of the same way, if that makes any sense. You know, like everybody has their yeah. own like fingerprint with the way they play. Like, you know, nobody, if you give, I mean, case in point, um, uh, Back in Black by ACDC. No two guitar players right. play that riff the same way. Um, but me and Corey play pretty similarly, if that makes any sense. Uh, it does. Actually, Corey and I. Um, so I had him, I asked him to like kind of help me out with that. And we did two EPs. Uh, and I ended up uh, opening up for uh, like a Brian solo tour in Europe. Um, and then we went to do the second record and I decided, even though it's just the two of us, let's try to make it like a full band thing. It was just the two of us. It wasn't like anything extra at that point, you know, it was like just basically sun with vocals, I guess. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was just like two droney loud guitars and me singing over it. Um, so we talked about doing a full band. We wanted to, I wanted to keep it just us in the studio, but then like live, we would be like a five piece. Well, that's what we ended up being. Uh, so we went, I demoed the whole, you know, I demoed the second record. We went in the studio last, like this time last year. Um, between me and him, like I did all the bass. We did all the drums. Um, except for like, there's one bit that uh, my friend, Trevor, who's plays drums with us live, did, and then Benny did like a drum bit on one of the songs. Uh, all the guitars are us. Um, you know, vocals are, it's just the two of us from everything, basically, except gang vocals. <laughs> um, and then we started playing out live, and it felt really good. So it was like, it was kind of just an idea I had. I didn't really know how serious I want to take it at first, but like, the more I was doing it, the more fun I was having doing it. And it's been it's mm-hmm. been a real it's been a blast playing these songs live with these guys. Um we have our next show's like a couple weeks at the Mercury Lounge in the city. Um and it's like it's been fun doing these shows. I mean I I would you know, we haven't been able to do like a proper tour yet, but hopefully that'll be coming out, you know, sooner than later. Um and as a Instead of trying to deal with a label, I decided since, you know, we recorded the record already, it's done. We'll just put it out ourselves. So I'm, I'm putting it out like on my own. I mean, we did, the first two EPs we did as well, but um, putting it out like on a, my own record label. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that's <laughs> the story, I guess, you know? That's um, That works. That's a good story. Yeah. It does lead me to another question. Sure. I know we're, we're getting kind of close to the end here, but I, I, I've debated this a lot with, I talked to, you know, I talked to a lot of business owners on this podcast uh-huh. and, um, and, and, you know, through, by proxy musicians as well. And I, I say this without ever actually having done anything in the actual music industry, but in my viewpoint, for most things, especially mm-hmm. a band kind of starting out, I don't, I don't understand the need for a label anymore. No, it's a, it's a, it's a bank loan with ridiculous interest rates. That's what I was thinking. That's, That's exactly what I was thinking. It is. It's so easy to put your stuff out there on your own. It's like, it's ridiculous. I mean, you know, I'm grateful enough that uh, my friend Ed has an awesome studio that's 10 miles from my house. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, and I, yeah. have, I have, so outside of me and Corey, there are three other people in the band. They're all studio engineers. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like, I, I've been lucky that's enough. That's helpful. Yeah, exactly. So those things cost money if you're not as lucky as we were with that kind of stuff. But not an, not, a, not enough to where you'd have to be dependent on a label, you know. I, you know, and I think if you just sit there and work on it, you can be that good yourself. It's all just so easy to do these days. Yeah. I don't know. It bums me out that more people aren't just putting out their own music. You know. I um I don't know. I just I feel like. I, I like you said it's so much easier to to um put it out there and get and get attention but I also like I just like I don't know what does a what maybe you can explain to me cuz you've been on both sides mm-hmm. of the fence what does a label bring to the table in 2018 Well that's what I'm saying like so if you don't have the money they have the money for that they have the they know the studio people and the engineers you know they do the PR and press but I'm lucky enough to have a friend that does that too um, you know, I mean, nowadays they're trying to do your merch. They're trying to manage you as well. They're trying to be as all inclusive as possible, so that they still merch. have, a pur- yeah, so they still have a purpose. Um, but you don't really need, like, if you don't mind dealing with all of it yourself, then there's no reason why you shouldn't. It's a convenience more than it is anything else. It's a, you know what I mean? Labels a way to go on autopilot. Then you still have to play by their rules. That doesn't sound very fun. That's not very. <laughs> I mean, there's a po- there's a there's a, there is a, you know, like there are bands that I think should be on labels, like gigantic, you know, bands like you know, um, Coldplay should be on a label. You know what I mean? Like they need that kind of. But I mean, at their point, they might be able to just be their own label too. I don't. That's know. That's what I feel like. I feel like they, radio they have all people their don't own need one. Now. Uh, there's, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's some bands do it. Some bigger bands do it. No, I just, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know how I'm going to get in trouble talking about this stuff. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Who's going to come after you? The label? I mean, maybe. I don't the know. label police? Yeah, the label police. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Come, come with us. Uh, uh, come with us, Alex. You're going to label jail. Label jail. Uh, that does not sound fun. Yeah. Sounds like a bad place. <laughs> I wonder if it's as bad as Disney jail. Oh, yeah. I heard that's pretty bad, too. 
Or the jail Disney under jails the brutal. Philadelphia Eagles uh, stadium. There's a jail under the Philly stadium? Yeah, to deal with, like, fights and things. Like, right there. Oh. They don't to, like, bring anybody anywhere. Gotcha. Pretty sure there's, that like, does a, actually there's like a judge residing as well. Like, it's all just, <laughs> in- bam, right there. And then you pay your fine and they kick you out and it's all done. <laughs> it must have a real problem there if that became necessary. I, mean, I don't think we have they won the, that in Portland. They won the Super Bowl and they had to Crisco the light poles to keep people from climbing them. So, Are you serious? Yeah, the police were Criscoing light poles to prevent people from like celebrating afterwards and climbing. Oh, hmm? and killing themselves. Philly fans, man, they're crazy. That is crazy. Wow, that's intense. Yeah. Well, we we've officially crested that hour mark. Oh wow! And I I haven't oh. asked you the most important question. Oh, and so Which I'll is? be in, I'll be in bad trouble if I don't. So sure. What's the important question? What kind of pizza do you like? Uh, I mean, if it's good, plain pizza is pretty fantastic. I'm not really a crazy topping kind of guy. Mm-hmm. You know? So, let's say, like, mushrooms, onions, black olives. That's like me going crazy. Sounds good, though. Yeah. And like burnt to a crisp. Burnt to a crisp. Yeah. Oh, well done. That's it. I don't know if they say that. <laughs> you like your pizza? Yeah, well. I don't know if they say that. Yeah, you can order pizza well done where I come from. I don't think they say that over here. That's uh, that's new to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you like your steak? They ask oh, you that about your pizza. No. Steak is quite the opposite. <laughs> well no i mean but that's what they they like you're oh, yeah. when you're calling oh, the no, order they takeout no no they don't ask it's just kind of like a it's like secret menu thing oh that okay. makes any i sense. gotcha <laughs> it does it does yeah and you you like a thinner crust a thick crust what do you, the, what's your I'm thing a thinner crust no that's i think that's that's where i come from. that's like the east coast new york new jersey thing is the thinner crust five yeah yeah I'm not a too much dough. Um, my dog likes the, the thicker crust, I'll say that much, because she ends up getting half of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that answers, the, that answers that question, then. Cool. But uh, is there, this is a, kind of your chance to, if there's anything you want to tell the listeners, if you, something you've been wanting to get off your chest, or something that you, if you could put up a billboard and, and tell people something, I mean, here's your opportunity. But I think the last thing we were the second to last thing, not the pizza bit. The thing before the pizza bit is probably what I would say again. Is you have an idea, just do it. I think that goes beyond music too. Like I have a friend that self-published. I have a couple friends now that self-published their own books. It's it's every creative industry is becoming probable and possible for you to do it on your own, or at least without the help of people that would be constricting to you, you know? So like, Mm -hmm. you know, just if you have an idea, do it. (laughs) Don't let it, you know what I mean? Don't, don't think that it's too big that you won't be able to, I don't know. Is that too sappy? (laughs) No, I love that. Cool. I would, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Uh, My sister publishes her own books too. Like, I mean, like, 
I mean, like things are not out of reach movies, anymore. Like art, like anything that's like I said in the creative field, it's like you can do. It's easier for you to do on your own these days. You don't need to rely on so many other people anymore. Mm-hmm. And you can make it truly what you want it to be. Exactly. Yeah, I don't have to like I love that. Like, case in point, everything I've released under Dead Swords, there's been no words or titles on the covers of anything, which labels usually yell at you for. <laughs> I just I noticed that. Why. I was like, what track am I listening to? I get why. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't care. <laughs> I think it looks cooler when there isn't anything on it. So I don't want to put anything on it. So if it means I have to do it myself and I have to pay for it myself, then I'm going to do it myself. I don't know. I like it. That's great. You know? I do know. Everybody's got a laptop. <laughs> well, I think that... You know what I mean? Buy a $100 microphone, you're good to go. 57 will record any instrument you need recorded. That is true. The 57 and, you know, the 57 is used by bedroom players and mm-hmm. the biggest artists in the world. So don't think you're too good for the 57. Exactly. That seems like a good part point to wrap this up. I'm okay with that. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much for, for coming on. This was yeah, awesome. Man, totally. Oh, it's been, it's been a pleasure. I hope I wasn't too rambly. There's some cohesion in my, what I was talking about <laughs> if i if i could follow you then i'm sure everybody else all can right, too cool. <laughs> all right i'll go ahead and wrap this up then so for alex this is blake and as always folks good luck and good tones <laughs> well there you have it folks there you have it i hope you enjoyed that as much as i did i really uh, really enjoyed that chat with alex and i hope to have many more with him in the future Maybe, maybe we'll record some more. Who knows? We'll see. But in the meantime, make sure you go check out his project, Dead Swords. I know a few of you have been checking it out already, and it's it's pretty epic, if I'm being honest. It's completely different than, than uh, what you might expect if you're a Gaslight fan. This is definitely not like that at all. But it's its own unique style. I like it a lot. It's, it's heavier. It's very effect-heavy, and I, I don't know. It's really cool. Make sure you check it out. Google it. I'm sure you can find where to stream and whatnot. And yeah, other than that, if you want more of this conversation, we have more for you. It's over on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash tonemob. You can hear more of this chat because we did continue talking and it's available over there uh, for as little as five bucks a month. You can stream it right into your ears. You can have more tone mob content which is, you know, what we all need, right? More blabbing of gear and nonsense. Well, it's over there if you are interested in that, and there's a few other things you can check out while you're at it and see if there's a level that makes sense for you for what you're uh, what you're looking for. So thanks for listening, and one more quick thing. If you're shopping on Reverb, don't forget to use that link, tonemob.com reverb, to do all of your reverb shopping. Anything you do through that will come back and help support the show a little bit, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. And I know you're probably already shopping on Reverb, so check it out, tonemob.com slash Reverb. It'll take you right to the Reverb store, and you will be able to do all of your normal Reverb 
things. So, thank you very much for listening. Hope you guys check out. Uh, hope to see you at Nam. No, I don't. I actually hope you don't check out. That would be really bad. Please don't check out. But I do hope to see you at Nam. If you see me wandering around aimlessly, feel free to come up and say hi. Come to the pizza party. Shoot me a message. Shoot me a DM, carrier pigeon, email, any way you need to get a hold of me. I'm around, and I will talk to you next week. Bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.